0: Something that I've witnessed from good first ADs I've worked for and the good producers is it is making sure that that communication is open and that people do feel like they can walk into the office and talk about things. The nice thing about a relationship like I have with David and I have with a couple other first ADs is that I've been working with them long enough and I'm we are, we are friends, we understand each other and you know you, you can put out fires before they get to be too big.
1: Hey everyone, welcome to Call Sheet, a podcast about film production and the -the boots-on-the-ground work of below-the-line crew. If you work in physical production in any department, this show's for you. Thanks so much for joining us. Welcome back, folks, and thanks so much for listening to Call Sheet. Once again, we're your hosts, Bryce Siriae and Kiku Terasaki. Hey, Kiku. Hey, Bryce. Today on the show, we're talking about the collaboration between the first and second assistant directors. We're stoked to have 1st AD David Webb back on the show with us. He was our guest back on episode two, where he talked about his work on films like The Irishman, Joker, Argo, Into the Wild, The Five Bloods, and Silence. Joining him today is Jeremy Marks, 2nd AD on a lot of the same films as David, along with many other notable projects like Bridge of Spies, The Revenant, The Post, Ocean's 8, and West Side Story. Kiku and I had an awesome conversation with these guys. They're literally the best in the business, and we covered a lot of ground, so much that we decided to split their content into two episodes. This is part one, all about the working relationship between the 1st and 2nd AD. We hope you enjoy.
2: So today on the show, we're talking with David Webb and Jeremy Marks. We're excited to hear their insights on communication, problem solving, and building effective production teams. Welcome to the show, David and Jeremy.
0: Hello. Thank you very much.
2: So our first question is, how did you two first meet and start working together?
0: What was it? It was the vinyl pilot, and I was the second second AD on that, uh, and David was the first AD on that.
3: Yeah. That was with Scorsese, and Jeremy had done Wolf of Wall Street, and so I really tried to, when I came into that situation, that's when I entered the Scorsese camp, I really wanted to get Jeremy and uh, this guy Francisco Ortiz, the two of them, like it was so critical to sort of have a level of comfort from Marty so that it wasn't all new people. And so it was great because of Marty, they had this loyalty and then we knew immediately, you know, we've just become uh, best of friends uh, from that, from the moment we met really. It was great. That's awesome. But that's what happens, you know, you know, there's people that have proven themselves or whatever. That's Part of the reason why it works so effortlessly, the way we set the department up, we don't really do a hierarchical sort of thing. We do a, we do from Jeremy and I down, but from the two of us, we really split all the tasks and prep, you know, depending on what I'm doing, Uh, Jeremy's doing a whole other thing and you know it's super complicated.
1: Well I think that's a great transition into how the relationship between the first and second AD is so vital to the success of the production. Could you guys both speak to that? How do you view your roles both individually and also as a partnership?
3: So basically the first AD is with the director and the DP. The three of us are the front line of making the film you know and then we have all our keys right in line with that, you know, the production designer. is kind of a separate entity in a way, and the costume designer, obviously insanely critical. And then the second AD is liaison to all those people, all the heads of departments, but really importantly, the UPM and the line producer and the location manager. You know, I'm with those guys like, okay, this is what we're doing and sort of like, my hand on the on the pulse of what's happening kind of artistically you know the point of the spear and jeremy is basically making all of it happen with that inside that vision but he's actually allowing for the execution of the vision and so he's the one that's actually relating those desires to the money as it were to to the management by the time they come back to argue with us, he's kind of like smoothed it all over. You know, because it's like, Jeremy, this is what we need, blah blah blah. You know, and then he goes somehow smooths it all over. And then by the time it comes back, it's not like what the fuck? It's more like it's a softer, it's a softer what the fuck. Yeah. It's like what
2: the heck?
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Totally. What the heck?
2: Do you lay out options?
0: You know, it's interesting. I mean, the first is on set. In a normal environment, I'm I'm have the luxury of being glued to a computer and a phone at all times and accessible by all people. So there's a little bit of, you know, the the directive comes from upon high comes from onset, and then it's it's making sure it's executed properly and whatnot. And I think that you know the nice thing about a relationship like I have with David and I have with a couple other first ADs is that I've been working with them long enough, and I'm we are we are friends. We understand each other, and you know you you. You can sometimes smell things before, you know where it's going and also know how to, you know what the, what the potential problems are gonna be. And so maybe what helps is being able to come with a couple of suggestions and being able to uh, put out fires before they get to be too big.
3: I think the salient point about a second idea is that it's really easy to demand shit, you know? Like, oh yeah, we need this, you know? He's gotta make it happen. Somebody actually has to make the calls, find the things. It's a really difficult job, man. It's like, you know, it's really and I really think about that one thing to like demand, another to bring it, to make it happen. And that's what a second AD does. That's amazing.
1: How do you approach that, Jeremy? For those who are starting out, how do you develop the wherewithal to take those demands and galvanize all the people that it takes to, to make it happen?
0: Two things come to mind right away. I mean, one is you have to do your homework. I cannot say enough about how important being prepared for things are and being mindful of what could happen, what scenarios are likely. And, and you know, in terms of the, the nuts and bolts, you know, my day starts... I'm the first person on a film set, essentially. And I'm usually done with my, my call sheet, which is what I will put out at the end of the day to tell people what to do. I'm done with it by the time um, we start shooting so that I can sort of free myself to, to begin to deal with um, the, <laughs> the trauma of the day and whatever else has changed the next day. So that's one. Being prepared, that, that would be my first part. And then the other one is just, um, you know, it's open communication with people that's so valuable and, and learning what what people want. A big one that I think the most second ADs would follow is like, you know, you don't really go up to the first AD in the first couple of hours unless it's bringing them a coffee and you know, you see a moment, but it's not like I'm gonna go up and ask them some question about a week from tomorrow. You know, um, I'll go if there's a, if there's a fire. Um, obviously, if something's wrong. But I'm not gonna, I know how to navigate that. Um, and you know, the same goes for other departments. It's, it's recognizing, you know, the movie comes first, essentially, in the larger picture of it, and, and recognizing that of all people, because that, that also means it's the nuance of actually um, getting people to see your side of things. But I, I think for me, it is just understanding the people that I'm, I'm working with, and knowing their sensibility and what, what it takes.
3: There's a ton of psychology, you know, because you're dealing with a large group of people, say 200 people and, and, you know, they're tired and everybody's so committed and, you know, so it's delicate stuff. And so like the call sheet, so Jeremy basically does the call sheet and then at lunch, you know, we talk about it. He literally comes in and goes like, you know, the call sheet, sometimes our conversation is basically he'll like psh, throw it in front of me and then I go like, hmm. And he goes, hmm. And I'm like, Good. And that's it, that's our conversation.
0: You'll, you'll usually find a typo, I have to say. Yeah, i know, a typo
3: for some weird reason, but, um, but it's the weirdest thing. We sometimes, right Jeremy? We don't, yep. we are so familiar with each other and we know how we both work. We don't actually have to say a word about it. It's just, it is. He just has it the way it should be. And it's just, and I know it is, and, and it's just that obvious.
0: But we've also, we've also laid the groundwork in prep. So it is just the redundancy there of, of making sure that the day before, certainly by lunch, hopefully, we've, we've encountered whatever could change things. Um, and, and I do. I Usually I have three questions at the start of the day that I know I need to get
3: answered by like 9 a.m.
0: And I'll find my, my moment to just slip those in. Sure.
3: So here's one thing we did. I think I told you guys about this on Joker. Is um, Remember, Jeremy, how I would meet with... Todd and Larry on Saturdays for like two hours or whatever. We'd have brunch together every Saturday. Right. And we'd go through the week's work, you know, and then I would take that, all the notes from that. And what we were doing is confirming. We'd go through all the week's work and our schedule. We'd have the whole thing there making sure, the you know, number of extras are right, cars, everything, so that we weren't on a Wednesday at noon saying, oh, no, we need like, you know, 20 more burning police cars. Um, anyway i would do a list from that and then the first person i call like i would walk i would literally be on the phone Jeremy. okay this is it i'm going to just go type this up but you better give so-and-so a heads up like mark friedberg the designer you know tell you know picture cars and right jeremy and so by yep. four, i would send um you know a list of all the things to make sure everybody has their shit together to all the heads department, but then Jeremy would have to like follow up on the weekend with all those people to make sure, did you see it? Did you see this? Did you, you know, and so it's all together. That was very effective though.
0: Yeah, but having the clarity is always, I mean, look, it's always great when you can get it straight from the horse's mouth and you can actually have that opportunity to, to confirm everything.
3: Again, he makes it happen. You know, we literally from that go like, oh no, we need this and this and this. And then we get in our cars and leave.
2: And he stays up all night. <laughs> yeah,
0: you know, no comment on that one.
1: But <laughs> Well, I love sensing between you guys, too, like the, just the mutual respect for the different responsibilities that you have to execute in tandem. You guys are dealing with so much overlapping information and so many things happening at the same time. So I, I love to see the regard that you have for each other. And, you know, I think that's key to you guys executing at the level that you do.
3: Yeah, it's funny, you know, Jeremy, I would say like in a given day, so I'm with, you know, Marty and Rodrigo and then like the props guy and gaffer and grip and hair, makeup, all those people on set. But Jeremy's spending all that same time with the UPM, the producer, line producer, transportation coordinator, production designer, the costume designer.
0: And the actors as well.
3: All the people that aren't actually on set but they're the ones that you know i mean they are literally producing the movie
0: yeah and and laying the groundwork it's an advanced team and you know making sure that we're uh we're we're prepared and we're anticipating wherever we can essentially like i said the movie's made on set so uh, you know when i like to spend as much time as i as i can i like to go in and kick the tires and see what's actually going on um and find the value of of direct i mean not just david but but going and actually Having a conversation with whatever crew member it is, um, you know, with the gaffer or the key grip or, um, or, you know, the craft service person, just to kind of see where we are and what's, what's happening. Um, so it's definitely, you know, when I can sneak away, I, I do.
3: So. Yeah. And also when we have big scenes like, you know, he, you've got it, like, we're, I'm always like, Jim, Jim, you got to come help and, you know, do like just because I can feel sometimes, say the background's not working or whatever, and you kind of need an expert. To just come in and like do the finishing touch, you know, like the. So, and that always works out well.
0: It's good. It's always nice to get to place background and, and, and find out. You know, I, I do, I relish the big days when I know I get to, when I know I, I will make a way to be on set.
3: We have a real keener, Brian uh, Robert Howard. He's a super, super keener background guy. Like, he literally would, before Irishman, I think he watched like every gangster movie. And, you know, like, he really wouldn't you say he's obsessed with it. It's amazing, but he does an amazing job. And what Tres, that role is he? Robert Tavares from L.A., who we were, you know, lucky enough to have on. Uh,
0: yeah, on The Irishman. Irishman. Those were our, our second seconds on, on second The Irishman seconds. and on Joker. And, and really, I mean, the look of those films were so important to that, um, as well as just, I think, maintaining sanity for <laughs> <laughs> for both of us and and, uh, and success, so
1: totally.
2: Can we go back to something that what you were talking about, Jeremy? You have to liaison with the office, the production office, and with the UPM and the line producer, and you know everybody there, the sort of offset contingent, right? And of course, there is often a lot of tension between onset and offset. So, how do you approach that? You know, how do you think about it?
0: Yeah, I mean, definitely. I, you know, I think what's worked best for me is just actually communicating with people. I don't really like texting. I don't like emailing as much as I prefer at least a phone call. I mean, you know, a face-to-face conversation is great, um, but I think the value of that level of communication has been kind of lost in our in our uh, digital world. So I definitely think that direct communication um, helps. Just breaking tension where you can and recognizing, reading people, and and again knowing um, picking your moments and realizing that at the end, we're all hopefully working towards the same goal.
2: I completely agree.
3: Jeremy, you've heard me say this a thousand times. Like we're constantly asking people, asking stuff of people, you know, I mean, that's what we're doing is always asking to do more, do it faster. Yeah. Give more, 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 never less, 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 less. So we're always asking more of people. And sometimes you get bad reactions. Um, and you know, my philosophy is, A bad reaction at that moment in five minutes is going to be less. In one hour, it's going to be really less. And the next day, it's gone. Because everybody is working together. And so, you know, you just have to recognize that all humans react differently. You know, some are like stone cold killers. They just look at you and, like, uh huh, I'm going to do it. Others literally are, you know, whatever it is. We know the psychology of people by the time, you know, once we're in it you kind of know like the smooth operators to the end um, you know, of the full spectrum
1: that's awesome Uh, and i love i just want to like lean into that and emphasize what i'm taking from both of you guys the phrase that you said jeremy is break the tension right you have to confront it you can't hide from conflict because otherwise it's going to bottleneck and it's just about learning how to deal with that conflict in a way that's respectful and also direct
0: yeah and, and making sure i think people understand your intentions you know everyone's entitled to the requests there's a reason they're making them and then trying to unpack them and and figure out what that actually is and where it comes from. And, you know, sometimes it can just be having, having had uh, my second child while I was shooting. Um, I can tell you some days it's just, you know, the baby didn't sleep and you better, you know, hope that you're not the second person I see, you're the third person. But um, even that, you know, ac- accepting that, that that happens and, and moving on is, uh,
1: is beneficial. Um, totally. People have lives outside of the film set, right?
3: I remember as well that we are bound to a budget And so when you're asking for things, all of this stuff, and, you know, people have a right to respond in a way that's like, well, I, where am I, how how am I supposed to pay for that? Or how does that happen? And that's where the negotiation comes in because we're definitely responsible filmmakers, uh, citizens, fiscally responsible in our own lives and with, you know, the company that's put their trust in us. So, We want the biggest and best thing possible, but we also have another philosophy. And another thing we always say is that we make the film that we can afford, and that's the film we're making, you know. And I always tell people that it's like, let's just make the movie with what we have the script, whatever the budget is. You know, we make the movie that we can afford to make, and we're going to try to make it better with our resources by being smart. And you know, that's why you've hired highly educated people, but um. You know, that's basically the game. We're not asking for stuff that, you know, demanding that stuff be delivered that can't be in a in a real world. We live in a real world with real dollars and real deadlines and real bottom lines. That's
1: awesome. So we'd love to shift a bit to talk about scheduling. How do the first and second AD work together to keep all the moving pieces of the schedule on track and well organized?
3: You know, we're tasked with making the production schedule and it's it's prep as well as the shooting schedule and it's, you know, it's really our responsibility. It's like probably the main prep responsibility and leading that charge, like with all the scheduling everything, the meetings. In the case of like Marty, you know, we have, say, 105 shooting days. And so, you know, we're, we've got moving magic. We trade it back and forth. But what we do, and Jeremy and I put up, like, a big calendar on the wall, and we have stickets. And, you know, we have the whole movie in front of us. And we always arrange our desks so that we're both looking at it all the time. And then as everything comes up, and it's always changing, there's so many moving parts. And, you know, we have a list of actor availabilities, sometimes color-coded you know, with so many different people and what their spreads are going to be like, it's kind of insane. The whole thing is like so insane, you know, and like, and location availabilities, equipment, bulking stuff together. So you're not like bringing it back in and out, especially in New York. So that's one thing we do together. And, you know, I completely rely on Jeremy that we are sitting there, you know, we're doing our work and then we'll be like, what happens if we did this? And so he'll go over and go like, hey, what about this? Hmm. Yeah. How does that, okay. And then I'll maybe something. And so it's definitely a meeting of the minds as far as like what that final schedule is going to be. And that's, and we always arrange it. So everybody on the whole crew knows about the board. So we might not have a schedule published where it might be in flux, but I, we tell every single head of department, that board is the latest thinking, no matter what you see printed, So that everybody's got this, you know, the developing plan. You know, Jeremy and I really do that together, applying all the knowledge that we're gathering up from our journeys through the production. You know, on a Clooney movie, we call it the war room or whatever. Our office is definitely the war room on these uh, movies.
2: Well, that's great. I mean, I'm really glad you brought that up because we did want to get that level of detail about how you work yeah. and the fact that the department heads come in and look at it yeah
3: you come into an office and you got to give us a space to have all the people meet you know this is where we communicate in person with the stuff there they're saying well why can't you do this i need it for my construction you know including the construction coordinator like everybody um transportation again like you know when do we need oh, this is it and we have all the actors as little colored dots you know you know so you can just look and see their spreads and how they're going to do their trailers like the whole shooting match in a way in a big general way is on that board
2: wow that's amazing
3: and it becomes the epicenter of discussion and i think
0: something that i've i've witnessed from you know the good first 80s i've worked worked for and the good producers is it is that like what david's talking about just the cutting the red tape you know if you can't get a schedule out because you don't know something how can you actually make sure that people know and it's making sure that that Communication is is open, and that people do feel like they can walk into the office and and talk about things. Um, you know that the location manager can come in and and you know pitch an idea about something that that they feel is is a good idea. Um, just because, especially in prep, there's so many balls in the air.
1: Well, I mean, you guys have so much wisdom and practical experience and just the quality of the teams that you guys have built. I mean, I'd love to hear like, what advice would you give to up and comers who want to work their way up into the AD department?
0: I think there's a lot to be said for passion. Um, look, the business, we all know it. It's a its a really hard place to earn while you learn. You know, it's, it's the, the challenge is how do you balance working at a high level with also being able to teach you know, learn yourself or teach other people and whatnot. And that is, that is a challenge. Um, and one that I I think is an important challenge to engage. And, uh, you know, I do think that the first thing is, is, you know, finding passionate people and being passionate about the project that you're on. Um, I mean, I feel really fortunate when I was, uh, I was a DGA trainee and when I was a trainee, people saw in me something and, and were willing to continue to hire me and hire me when I was a young you know second second ad and gave me a shot you know i i also i have numerous people who came up as production assistants so i think it sort of depends on what someone's background is and where they where they are um i mean i think experience is invaluable so um either way you know getting on movie sets meeting people learning from people having a broad really witnessing many different styles many different approaches many different types of projects is um, is a really good education, so um, I think you know the the training program offers that. I think PAing does um, as well, and so you know it, I recognize that there are many ways to become an AD and many you know many paths there. But you know the other side of it is just like the networking and engaging people. Um, I do think it's important to um, meet people and to stay in touch with people and things like that, just from a from a practical standpoint. Cause you never know. I mean, I've, I've definitely had people reach out and the next day something happens and I'm like, Oh, that would work out great. And there we go. Um, But yeah, I mean, it's a lot. I I feel very fortunate that I feel, you know, there's some serendipity to, to, to me, you know, certainly hooking up with David and hooking up with Marty originally and whatnot. Um, And I feel very fortunate for that, you know,
1: for anyone that might be interested in uh, obviously they can go and like look up and learn but from your experience could you just give like a brief overview of like what that vetting process is like how many years were you a, a trainee and then the next step after the trainee program
0: Yeah it's a it's a 2 year program there's one in in LA and there's there's an East Coast and West Coast program one in LA one in New York um there's an application process which is a written exam um, that I think now is done online and then there's a couple rounds a couple of rounds of of interviews essentially to whittle down to a group. I think New York is somewhere like five to seven, LA is like 20 um, and you know, it's a two year program. They, um, you're working, your responsibilities are pretty much uh, in line with being a production assistant. Um, and you, you do have like monthly seminars or there's a little bit more and they, they, they place you on jobs.
3: Isn't it, is it just you or, like the thing is you give them a big responsibility in the paperwork world where they're really learning like it's kind of amazing it's a great education and i guess that's part of you know because you came from that that you appreciate it and give it its due
0: yeah yeah i mean i often trainees end up doing at least in the east coast end up doing like a paperwork position where they work you know very closely with the second ad which doesn't mean uh, they don't do other things and so my you know, my push having been a trainee and, and having spent a lot of time in paperwork is you know can I can I find something else for them to do? Can I get them? You know, how how can we make them well rounded as well rounded as as production assistants are when they when they are ready to become ads? Um, and you know, and even if it is doing paperwork, how can I burden you with my responsibility so that uh, you know what what can I give you of mine to do is to to. Uh, provide, I guess, learning opportunities. I hope it's a learning opportunity.
3: Yeah, no, it's good. I think we use them really, uh, really well. We really create a family as well. Like, you know, unfortunately I'm the dad, right, right down to my shoes, evidently. But, um, you know, we treat everybody with respect, you know, and love. And it's, it's really like, it's that whole George Clooney, that life is uh, too short. And, you know, he's always been like such a great humanist. And, you know, a lot of, I I mean, I think I had it before, but a lot of his vibe sort of after seven or eight films really rubbed off on me. Um, You know, that kind of like family kind of thing, you know? And Marty definitely encourages that. And Spike is all about love and respect, you know? Love and respect, capitalized.
2: Okay, so what is it you guys love, each of you, about the work?
3: I really just love the filmmaking process. It's, we've been really lucky. We get to travel all over the world, meet incredible people, get to be in like Taiwan for nine months or Berlin for six months or London for seven months or Africa, South America. And I was saying it to my son last night, like, I don't know how you beat that, you know, like incredible challenges and you know it's everything it's camaraderie it's all part of our family it's a film family you know a lifestyle
0: yeah yeah and, and i mean just the challenge of every day and the problem solving and the the pace and the it's a lifestyle it's a roller coaster it's a ride you know it's like the need to engage problems and solve things and to work with talented people and whatnot. Yes, it's
3: going from, you know, if you're hooked on production, here's the thing, anybody, you know, early on, especially if we're talking about young PAs or whatever, you know, early on if you're hooked. And so I knew it immediately like that. And what I recognized was that it was like this incredible adrenaline, It's a, and it's an addiction Um, And production can be, and you can love movies, you know, but we love making movies. Like, I'm like, I'm hooked on it, where you're like, go, 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 like Jeremy says, problem solving, like the madness, you know, and the beautiful madness of art. I really love my job.
1: That's awesome, guys. Well, your joy for it is infectious, and you really speak to the spirit of what we're trying to do with this podcast. And we're so, so grateful for all your insights and your stories. Thanks a lot. So, this concludes part one of our conversation with David Webb and Jeremy Marks. We'll be back next week with part two about how the AD team works effectively in casting and blocking background. And that is Tailights on another episode of Call Sheet. This show is brought to you by Elgin Entertainment. It's produced and hosted by Kiku Terasaki and me, Bryce Sirier, with support from our associate producer, Nathaniel Duber. I'm also the editor of the show, and our theme music is by Robert Mai. Our guests today were David Webb and Jeremy Marks. We talked about the working relationship between the 1st and 2nd AD, including some best practices for effective communication, scheduling, and how to problem solve during production. Thanks again, listeners, for tuning in. We hope you enjoyed this episode and keep coming back for more. Thanks so much to everyone who's left us a review for the podcast. We got a great review from a user called Viral Whisper. They gave us a five-star rating and called the show entertaining and educating. They said, this is a great podcast for someone entering a particular field in filmmaking or a seasoned veteran of the business that can relate to the various stories and gain insight from another's POV. That's awesome, Viral Whisper. Thank you so much. We really appreciate that review. And we're glad that both up-and-comers and seasoned veterans are able to get something out of the show. We're grateful for all of you listening. And if you'd like to also rate and review the podcast, just want to say you can do it on your podcast app, send us an email with your feedback, or hit us up on Instagram. Remember to stay tuned for new episodes of Call Sheet every Thursday morning. And in the meantime, good luck
3: and go make it happen.